0: I'm Andrew Norton, and this is Completely Optional Knowledge, and this episode's question comes courtesy of a guy named Chris Bowman, and he is a self-proclaimed film nerd.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in casual conversation, I'd say I'm a film nerd, but there are people much nerdier than me. I see. I'm really not stuck to one genre. I mean, I may have leanings towards, you know, uh, a quality science fiction film, um, but I like crime films. I like action, adventure yeah it's it's maybe my favorite pastime
0: so you're not the you're not the type of person who turn your nose up at like a summer blockbuster or something like that
1: oh no no no, I mean who who doesn't like to have fun <laughs>
0: That leads us to your question.
1: Yeah, I want to know what pisses off a scientist the most when they go to the movies.
0: So like, what are the things when they walk into the theater, they go on their message boards and write about?
1: Exactly. I mean, because, you know, in some films, you're being asked to suspend your disbelief. And for some of us, it's easier than others. You know, sometimes science is used to drive a narrative forward. And it's a little murky, you know, I mean, yeah, if you're not thinking about it too hard, it it could seem plausible. But I imagine to scientists, it's... Uh, maddening half the time.
0: Sure. You're able to kind of turn your brain off a little bit, but you're thinking if someone goes in there who's, you know, no no offense, Chris, but a little bit smarter than you. None
1: <laughs> <laughs> say. You know, what? what is it that they always see that kind of Yeah. Pisses them off. Exactly. I mean, you know, sometimes I have no problem believing someone can jump over a building, but when it comes to, uh, lighting a fire a certain way, it bothers me and I can't explain why.
0: (laughs) Right. Chris, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and find this answer for you. Okay.
1: Do it for science, Andrew.
0: (laughs) We'll find someone much smarter than ourselves.
1: Well, that one shouldn't be too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Go forth, young man. Go forth.
0: I'm Andrew Norton, and this is the Completely Optional Knowledge Podcast, brought to you by Greenpeace. Ask. Inquire. Seek the truth. The show where we take questions that make you go, huh? And we try and make you be like, oh. To get the answer to this one, I talked to David Kirby. He's a lecturer at the University of Manchester, and he's also the author of a book called Lab Coats in Hollywood. He started off by telling me about something in show business called a science
2: consultant. A science consultant is a scientist who provides scientific advice to filmmakers during a film production. So the scientist essentially provides scientific advice that the filmmakers can use to add science to their dramas. You could be the guy on set saying, um, yeah, it needs more of something or less of something. (laughs) Needs more kelp. (laughs) Or don't make that person walk around without a space suit in, in outer space or something like that. Modern audiences expect the science to be as authentic Uh, as possible. Otherwise, they're going to be, you know, getting a tweet storm from someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson (laughs) screaming about how horrible their their film is. It's tweet storm insurance. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's tweet storm insurance. And really, the other thing I found is that, you know, science provides constraints. And filmmakers, they they want constraints at times. um, Because if it's totally fantastical, if you could do anything you want, it's actually really difficult. So,
0: Here's our question. Amongst scientists like the ones that you've talked to, the movie consultants, is there something that they always see in movies that pisses them off, even if they're trying their best to take it with a grain of salt?
2: <laughs> yeah. One of the things is the idea of sort of time dilation, right? The condensation of time that happens in movies like The Day After Tomorrow, which condenses, you know, what we would think of as years of climate change into a week. The, the idea of sort of instant evolution, is always a bit of a problem. So the idea that things can sort of spontaneously mutate and change uh, quickly, you know, whether it's through genetic engineering or sort of natural type of mutation. In terms of the animal world, often there's this idea of stereotyping animals. So in The Lion King, for example, you have the hyenas who are seen as sort of evil and, and scheming or you often see sharks depicted as the, maybe like a gangster character. So that type of stereotyping drives the scientists crazy because it can inform the ways in which people think about those types of animals
0: right that that's more than just okay that's not right um i'm a nerd and and that irks me that's something that actually those narratives can dictate how people interact with wildlife right
2: oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean you know you're gonna run into scientific errors in films it's just going to be inevitable due to the constraints that filmmakers are under but it tips over into being problematic when it could possibly impact people's real-world uh, behaviors.
0: Right. People might think that fish talk like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> yeah. And I know there's, uh, I think I was reading online uh, about Mars being red, and thats uh, is that inaccurate? Am I am
2: I right in that? Mars being red is a long-standing cultural perception in not just movies, but lots of other popular culture that's just been with us for a long time.
0: It's, it's the red planet. That's the one thing I know about Mars.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, really, Mars is yellow-brown, but yeah, People say, it's the red planet. It's not the yellow-brown planet. So scientists who've worked on on Mars films, they're okay with Mars being tinted red. Even if it's a sort of cognitive dissonance, they know better. And it plays to something that I found more and more as I talk to uh, filmmakers and, and TV producers. There's a phrase they constantly use that the audience expects whatever that might be. So in this case, the audience expects Mars to be red. And it's really difficult to move off of those deep-seated cultural perceptions. I mean, the the one film that actually moved very much away from cultural perceptions about animals was Jurassic Park, where prior to Jurassic Park, dinosaurs were seen as you know, slow-moving, dim-witted types of animals. And pretty much the whole film is about the idea that, well, no, dinosaurs aren't really like that. So to move away from those well-established Cultural perceptions of science, it takes you a lot of effort to do, right? The the idea is to make that fantastical event seem plausible enough that the audience gets drawn in, because, you know, th- they're there to enjoy themselves. Um, I often talk about the, the, the movie The Hulk. You know, I often ask people, you know, is the Hulk scientifically accurate? And that, that throws them for a while. And they're like, well, the science seems real. The answer is, well, there is no Hulk. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Hulk doesn't exist. Um, so what you really just want is enough plausible science to draw you into the story so that you can get what you really want out of a Hulk story, which is the see hulk smash.
1: You know, I would like to thank scientists for not minding that we, we say that Mars is red. <laughs>
0: It's kind of this weird world where you don't go to the movies to see life as we know it. There's certain places you can bend that, and certain places you can't. Right? He talked about the Hulk there at the end, and for me, it's like, yeah, I can believe Iron Man and the Hulk fighting and taking out all of, uh, you know, South Africa. Yeah. In a massive fight, but wh- why is the Hulk's pants still on?
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Right. That's that's a very good example. I mean, when you can balance a good story with. Uh, if you want to call it questionable science uh, to the point where you're not really coming down on that film for like asking too much of you you're, you think okay no i'm in I'm, I'm buying into this premise or this concept and take me wherever you want to go
0: and make sure your main character has pants on the whole time <laughs> i mean yeah i i, I would I, i'd say yes the completely optional knowledge podcast is produced by me andrew norton and is presented by greenpeace our theme music was created by breakmaster cylinder head over to completely to hear more episodes to subscribe and to of course ask your own question because we need your weird questions to keep this thing going thanks for listening and we'll be back in two weeks with more completely optional knowledge